The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. They were three ordinary women on what seemed like a simple mission to find a film they liked. One where women got something to do and not just look pretty or be murdered. Which, to be totally honest, has complicated matters a bit. Welcome to Flicking. Yes, it sounds a bit rude. That's the joke. Hello and welcome to this month's Flicking. I am joined, as ever, by Yosra Osman. Yosra, hello. Hello. And by that there, Hannah DeLevy. Hannah, hello. Hello. So Yosra is physically healthy. We're not going to go into anyone's <laughs> mental state because no one needs that on the podcast. But Hannah and I are minging, for want of a better word. So please do bear with us, listeners, if some of our thoughts are a little bit outrageous or just quiet. Our thoughts on our new flicking, which is where we take it in turns to pick a film from 2023 and share our thoughts, share our vibes, share our delights and our sorrows. But please see aforementioned illness for that description of what we're doing. Anyway, it was Yosra's turn to pick. Yosra, what did you have us watch? Yes, it is my turn to pick. And apologies if my thoughts are outrageous. I, I have no excuse. But um, <laughs> I have to pick the film Past Lives, which is by the director Celine Song. And I believe this is her directorial debut. It is, yeah. And it's a film that you may have seen or you may have heard of because I think it's been quite a lot of sort of top films of the year list. And it's actually one of the last films I watched in 2023, just after Mickey's pick, Cocaine Bear. So two wild <laughs> films there. Um, a little bit about what it's about. It's about two childhood friends, Nora and Sung, who are played by Greta Lee and Teo Yu, who are very, very close friends, but they're separated when Nora emigrates to Canada with her family. And we meet them at three points in their lives, spanning over 24 years and across two different continents first we meet them when they're children in Korea and we can see that very deeply connected then we meet them 12 years later when they reconnect and they talk over video calls while they're establishing their lives and their careers so Nora is now in New York and she's working to become a writer and Sung is moving to China for a Mandarin language exchange and what we see is they're having these conversations over Skype but then Nora asks if they can stop talking so that she can focus on her writing and her life in New York. She goes off on this writer's retreat and she meets a man called Arthur, played by Joe Magaro. And they fall in love and they marry and Sung moves on and, and meets a woman himself. Quite a large chunk of the film actually then happens another 12 years later when Sung visits New York to visit Nora and also Arthur, who of course is living with her. We kind of watch the conversations that happen as they talk about where their lives are now, what their lives could have been before parting ways at the end. Apologies, that's 
may be a spoiler, but that is that is what happens at the end of the film. They part ways again. Why did I pick this film? So I wouldn't say this film is my absolute favourite of the year, but it left me pretty blown away when I watched it because it's one of those films that I watched it and then I thought a lot about later. It really struck me. I, I found it pretty extraordinary for, for various reasons. There's the kind of complexities that are explored when we think about love, relationships, childhood, how the choices that we make can influence the rest of our lives. And it's all done in a in a super, in a very real way. Mm. One thing that struck me in this film is it felt very honest and very real. There's some wonderful, absolutely wonderful performances from Lee, from you and Magaro, who we don't see as much of, but when he's there kind of playing this character who is trying to be understanding of Nora's situation. But you can also see, as you can understand, a little bit of jealousy there. It's just done really really well and um another thing is it's just a visual delight i mean the the cinematographer shabia kirchner i hope i've said that right does some beautiful gorgeous very peaceful cinematography that just kind of matches the feel of the film so i really really enjoyed it and mickey hannah i'm very interested to know what your first impressions are because obviously i really liked this film but i know for some that i've spoken to it's very slow going and some people I've spoken to didn't quite enjoy that. I think it is it is slow, but it's deliberately slow and it gives you that time to sort of reflect. So I'm interested to know what your, your initial takes are. I guess I'm the one who, it would be fair to say, given my was the last choice and it was Cocaine Bear, likes a bit of whiz-bang-boom in their films. <laughs> But Celine's song was a playwright and it, it kind of watches like it's a play, I think. It is quite slow and it is very gentle. And I did find myself going, oh, I want a bit more to happen. But by the end, I was doing a small cry. I found it very, very moving. And I only watched it last night, but I have been thinking about it a lot and about its reflections on our past lives and our potential selves that aren't there on the concept of inyun which they explain oh. as kind of having spent time with someone in previous lives actual previous lives as a korean way of thinking and sort of fate and destiny and the paths we choose and the line that's really stuck with me is when Song says at the end in all of your life with me you're the person who leaves but in your life with arthur you're the person who stays and I think it is, you know, quite a lot of relationships that work out. Yeah, love is absolutely a thing and I believe in love, but timing is huge in making a relationship work. And I think it captures that really, really well. So I enjoyed it and I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed it because during it, I was a bit like, come on, come on now, can we have a bit <laughs> more action? But after the fact, I thought it was very sweet and really, really beautifully done. I liked it a lot more than you probably suspect that I would and that also might be the answer to why other people you expected to like it didn't like it because I don't really do romance as we know part of the reason I hate romantic films is that they are so formulaic whereas this isn't formulaic and therefore it's sort of new and interesting to me whereas perhaps other people were just desperate for something to happen between them in a sort of obviously th things happen between them but in a more physical sense whereas 
I would be like, oh, that seems like, oh, that's the third act. That's the fourth. Do you know what it means? It reminded me of a way less pretentious Richard Linklater, but it also reminded me and by a bit of Brokeback Mountain in the sense that it was so tight on the relationship. I don't know that I even know what she did for I mean, I do know what she does for a living. She's a writer, but... She's a playwright. Yes, but not much more specific than that. There is not really any what she's writing. Her husband's written a book, but everything is superfluous to the main plot, which is just the two of them and this relationship. So, yes, I thought it was unpretentious link later, is what I would say. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Breakout Mountain, because I just watched that again yesterday or the day before and I actually I haven't didn't even think of that connection until until you've said it and I and I can see that and because it ends on a downer and I love it yeah it ends on a down yeah <laughs> it does and it's interesting what you said Mickey because it's not got that kind of dramatic denouement or anything like that there's no melodrama there's no huge overly romantic scenes but I like you especially the first time I watched it, was in tears at the end. You know, I also found it really, really moving, even though it's, I'm not saying it's not trying to be, but that's not how I thought I would be going into the film and kind of going along with it. It's so subtle and gentle. And for me, and I guess it's because we watched this fairly recently and kind of hated it with a fiery passion, it does what Lost in Translation tried to do. And I think it does it really beautifully, this very, as Hannah said, intense focus on these people. There's an element of shipping. Part of you is like, oh, but, you know, they have been these people who cared about each other for so, so long. And if they'd got to meet up when they were doing the Skype calls, do, 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 then I think there would have been a romantic relationship. I think that's what they were aiming for. And she's like, we're not we're not going to be able to do that for at least a year. So we need to put the brakes on it because what is it? And I'm not focused on what I need to be focused on. And three cheers for her for doing that and not being a woman in a film who thinks the man is the most important thing. Her career is the most important thing. I mean, clearly then she meets a man on a writer's retreat. But that intense sort of focus of this relationship without it getting physical is what lost in translation is and like makes you think what could be what did happen whereas this is much more straightforward much more beautifully done much more subtly drawn like you mentioned her husband's jealousy justifiable right because is she in love with this guy kind of a little bit she's in love with the idea of what could have been and how many of us have been in love with the idea of what could have been instead of what's in front of us i think that's a really interesting exploration to make yeah whenever i watch a film that's about a different culture i always have to wonder am i being slightly seduced by the fact that this is a different culture and in fact it is a bit the same old same would i watch a film in which two people who lived in cambridge talked about how they might have been together in past lives and it seemed quite as romantic i doubt it actually you know i think sometimes there's a thing about the unfamiliarity that that comes from the fact but what makes that different to me is the fact that she is two different people in this isn't she she is who she is in america and she is who she is as a korean and there is an interesting exploration of that i think even though that is also slightly dressed up in a you know future me past me all of that sort of slightly mystic terms so i I did think about that because there's that point where she's talking to arthur and he's talking to her about you know 
who Hase Young is to her. And she says, oh, well, he was just this kid in my head for a long time. Then he was just an image on my laptop. Now he's a physical person. And she then goes on to talk about missing Saul. And I'm a bit like, well, is is he is he just reminding you of your experience as a child and you've got that kind of fond memory of that? Mm-hmm. Or actually, are you saying all this to Arthur to kind of to convince yourself and you're, you're still really deeply connected with this person? It's just, just kind of one of those lines that got me thinking in all these different directions about what she might be meaning behind what she's saying. And I'm, I'm not sure there ever really is a right answer there. And I, I quite like that. I think he's so well cast because the things that I've seen him in is a bit of a prick. Arthur, you mean so? Yeah. 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 Um, He he plays someone who is a bit of a prick. So I was fully expecting him to be way more of a prick than he actually turns out. I think, like you say, Mickey, a lot of his anger is, or a lot of his feelings are justifiable, a lot of his jealousy. But actually, he's trying really hard not to be a dickhead. And although, like, when she first tells him that story, he, he does a very sort of macho leap to the assumption she's talking about him. You know, and there's a couple of things she picks him up on when she was like, oh, yeah, you are the end of my family's immigrant dream. Yeah. (laughs) But actually, when he says to her, like, but what are we? We're just two people in the right place at the right time. I actually thought that was quite profound. And he does that brilliant little. Basically, it's only a paragraph if you wrote it down. But because of the long, beautiful stretches of silence, it goes on for five minutes where he says, this is what the better story would be. You end up getting to him. Yeah. I'm the evil white guy who's stolen you. And I love that it flips it on its head because it's not without a grand gesture. And, you know, who do we go to for romantic grand gestures? Well, we're told to go to people like fucking Richard wouldn't know love if it bit him mm. on the arse Curtis, right? But <laughs> Hazen does do a grand gesture. He travels to New York to see her. But the difference is, and I, I've been thinking about this and I genuinely believe he does it without expectations. He does it because he can't not. And he does it for him not to win her. I think he wants yes. to know, but he's ready. He's ready to be told, no, this is my life here. This is who I am now. This is my husband. And he just takes uh, it with like, yeah, that was kind of what I thought would happen, but I couldn't not do this. I agree, actually. I saw it as more of a, a closure for them both because when they were talking over their Skype calls... Yes, she says, I've got to focus on my writing and my career, but that can still leave it quite open-ended in terms of their feelings for each other and what happens between them. They needed, even though it's much later, it's 12 years later, I think they they needed to meet again and to have the conversations that they have. I was talking about Joe Magaro and his performance, but I was just hoping we could take a second to talk about, I suppose, the two central performances um, from... I hope I said this right, Teo I think, I'm not sure how it pronounced, Teo and Greta Lee, who annoyingly, and I'm furious about this, was not nominated for an Oscar, even though I thought she was absolutely brilliant in this role. And, and what they bring to these two characters, again, talking about the kind of pace and the stillness of this film how they managed to convey so so much so much raw real emotion in such subtle ways Mm. um i was really impressed with their performances yeah well i mean she convincingly plays someone in their 20s and someone in their 30s okay so her hair looks a bit different or whatever but but she has to do it with her physique so you know when she first got that skype call with him you just see her sort of skipping up the road to like get there in time yeah i think Bretton lee's really good which I think, well, I'd previously seen her in. Is she a Russian doll? 
she might be a Russian doll. Oh, is she the crazy friend who is at the yeah. beginning of everything making a chicken? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think she convincingly, without much effort, pulled off sort of the essence of being a woman in your 20s compared to being a woman in your 30s. You know, it's not just about like, the, yeah, changes or, you, you know, more expensive your body changes. Or whatever, yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. the way you carry yourself. I absolutely agree. It's really interesting. The other thing she captures for me, and I say this as a, a woman who is from the place that she still lives in, but that kind of disconnect from her roots and her blending into New York, which is notoriously a very hard city to kind of make into a home. But she just seems, when we're in that final visit, she just seems like a New Yorker. She seems perfectly blended. And further to the conversation you were talking about, Yosra, she goes on to say, look, I've got Korean-American friends, but he's Korean-Korean. Korean-Korean, And it's never quite sure where she fits in that because she's not Korean-Korean anymore. She isn't Korean-American. It's like she doesn't quite know where she fits, but she's chosen Korean-American and she's made it work for her. And I think that comes across really beautifully. And you start to see that happen as well when she's having the calls with Hey Sung and they, uh, he's commenting on her, her Korean and how it's got really rusty. She's like, well, I only talk to you and my mum in Korean. I don't talk to anyone else in Korean. And the way that this is all layered in terms of questions around her identity and then her relationships and what the choices she's made in life it's all done in a way that is not in your face but it is the sort of thing that you think about and reflect on and what I found truly resonated with me was a lot of what she's saying and what she's feeling I could really really relate to despite not having the same exact experiences there was a way that she made it feel very real to me and something that I could engage with and connect to and that that is eventually I think what drew out the uh, emotion even to the extent I'm not necessarily thinking about ex-boyfriends or anything a little bit but maybe people that I've met you know that whole concept of in young and fate and how you meet the people you meet it, it's just something that I found really interesting to explore and think about in terms of the relationships I've got and how I've become the person that I am so This is a film that I think left me really impressed and got me thinking because it just makes you ask your own questions about who you are. And I've been thinking about that quite a lot since I've watched it, to be honest. All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, in it? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution, in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up, and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, 
I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. And I guess she's buffeted by these two men who haven't moved around. Arthur is a New York Jew, still living in New York, doing his thing. Hey Sung is this Korean guy following, you know, like as she says, he still lives at home. It's very Korean. He's doing engineering. It's very Korean. He's Korean, Korean. She's, she's sort of labeling it that way rather than me labeling it that way. He's content there. That's what he wants. There's a bit where he goes, well, why would I come to New York when they connected 12 years on? And he isn't he isn't wanting to not be in Korea apart from his stint in China because it will be useful for his job. Mm-hmm. So they're both sort of settled in their identity and what they want to do. And she, he yeah. says to her, you had to emigrate to be you. And she's like, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. Because that's really interesting because she has very Western aspirations for him. She yes. seems to learn English. Ugh. I'm sure that's going to make her life a bit easier, whatever. But that's what she sees as the avenue to opening up the rest of the world to him, to making his life bigger. Yeah. He sees speaking Cantonese Mandarin, as the thing yeah. that's going to open his life up. Mandarin, sorry. Yeah. And that's what he goes and does. And, and there is that whole theme running through the film is actually okay. Sometimes it's absolutely fine to move on and do what it is that you want to do. Because the when I first started watching it, I thought, well, what's going to happen here? Is it just going to be a case of one makes these changes to their own life to suit the other? And I really, really like that that's not the way it went for either of them. And that, especially when you get to the ending, and maybe we could talk a little bit about the ending, they move on. They do go their separate ways. And that's what's right for them. She's such a tease, isn't she? Celine Song, right up to the very last minute Beth. where Nora walks into his Uber and they're just stood. Yeah. And I'm like, is my brain making this happen or are they getting a teeny tiny bit closer? And then, of course, the Uber arrives and he gets in it and they say their goodbyes. I was really pleased that happened, but because I am maybe trained to be like this when you're watching a film yeah. that's got romantic undertones, I was like, maybe they'll just do a snog. I don't know, or a kiss or something, but they just they just have a hug and they've moved on. And yeah, I think some parts of our past and the lives we've lived and the lives we could have lived do deserve some closure. And that story for them clearly did. And actually some of it is probably best just left. And I think that's yeah. another thing that it made me think about. Can I just say, though, I don't think they have moved on. I think they are have decided to move on. Yes. I mean, her reaction at the end of this suggests that she didn't just go, oh, well, that worked out, fine job done. Do you know what I mean? She, yeah. she does appear to be actively devastated yeah. about it. And she is, but is she, she mourning the loss of the unknown? I don't even know if that makes sense. Like, maybe she's quite happily gone, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but this is my life now and I really like it. 
And now a bit like with him, she knows it's not going to be a thing. And also that connection to a Korean Nora and having her life in Korea if she'd stayed there is also sort of severed. I don't know. But yeah, her reaction is, I guess, but also that all the emotions that she's been through very intensely in a day and a half might make you a bit like... (laughs) I wonder if that emotion that she's showing is more her coming to terms with things and maybe things and just reflecting on, like you say, Vicky, that that full-on couple of days that she's just had. I'm just thinking of this because I'm such a crier. Releasing that emotion is your way of maybe just having that closure, closing things off because I remember when I first watched it I came (laughs) I actually thought would they meet again is there the opportunity that they will start talking to each other again and maybe in another few years they'll try maybe she'll go to Korea and try and meet him there and I in my head I was like no that wouldn't happen but it was interesting for me to think about I think the idea is they're going to meet in another life yes right yeah I mean it's good to make plans really far in the distance right yeah (laughs) Put that in my diary. I think as well the crying, because obviously there's stuff around her crying and the fact that she stopped crying when she came to New York. And Hans Sung says, why did you stop crying? And she says, well, I guess nobody cared. You know, I cried quite a lot when I first got here and nobody cared. So I just stopped. And it sounds like Arthur has not really seen her cry because when she says, oh, you're teasing me about being a crybaby. And he's like, oh, were you a crybaby? And she's telling her husband this new information. And actually at the end, even though... She might well be crying about Han Sung and everything that he represents in her life. The person she cries to is Arthur. So maybe she's understanding that he really cares and she can cry in front of him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's this whole thing of Arthur really does represent that comfort. And perhaps in another film, that's kind of a bad thing. You know, Not a bad thing, but he's just there for comfort, shoulder to cry on but not what you really need. But actually, in this film, I feel like, yes, that is what she needs and that does work for her. They seem to genuinely like they love uh, each, love other. each other. But, you yeah, know, but... but they do. They do. And we have to remember that she's only really communicated with Sung at these three points in her life. There's a lot of time and a lot of things that will have happened but in those 12-year periods where they're not even speaking to each other. We're not told, we're not told about any of them. No, we, we're not. Yeah. We're not. But that's something that I had to remind myself. Mm. Yeah, She's had 12 years with Arthur where a whole new kind of world and life has, has been built. And yes, that's something we don't see, but it's something to definitely think about. And also he's got a girlfriend who's not his girlfriend at the moment but they want to get married so like that's quite a serious undertaking and he makes it sound like it's even more serious in Korea um because you know he's not got enough money it's it's got different values attached to it maybe than it does for you know they got married so she could get a green card it's yeah there's all sorts of things that you're like oh does that undermine their relationship does that undermine the other relationship and I like that no is the answer to it. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, they are in love. They are a happily married couple. I know a couple of people who've been married because of residency issues or something. And there are people that I think would not have got married were it not for those things just because they're not into marriage rather than they were already people who've been together for ages and they were like, you know, we need to do it for this. So 
yeah, there is an element of it's not very romantic to get married for a green card. But if the real thing that underpins it is, well, it's because I want to live in the same country as you, then yes, that is really romantic. Absolutely. You know, it's not necessarily Gerard Depardieu. No. But, <laughs> yeah, I've got pals who married probably sooner than they would have done so that she could stay in the country. And it's still not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And in fact, you have to really prove that you love each other in ways yeah, yeah. that, you know, exactly. me and Gary didn't have to do. Yeah. It's one of those films that you can just talk about and I think have different perspectives. Just want to give a shout out because there was some, I've, I've just come back from New York and there were some beautiful shots of New York and Seoul. As I mentioned, the cinematographer who does a really great job, but it is I think it is a really beautiful film in so many ways, including what you see on camera, but everything that comes across from the characters. So I'm really glad I picked it, actually. It's for, I, I hope you two both enjoyed it. I did. I really liked it. Yes, well, I will probably never watch it again, but yes, I did really like it. I think that's I fair. Yeah. yeah. Could have done with more bears off their tits on coke, but, you uh, know, what I film could have? Yeah. I'll think carefully for my next pick, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to get some whiz bang boom in the next film, aren't I, Hannah? Yes, lots of boom. Uh, I thought we could talk about a man's film because women don't like history. Can't sit through films that are three hours long. There weren't any women in history, Hannah. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, off the timer. Could you say that a little bit louder? Because you went very quiet on the mic. <laughs> Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hannah, for preparing me for the loud noises. Standard issue for all women.